0: Support for Class Dismissed comes from School Status. School Status helps educators at every level take control of student data for increased outcomes and meaningful stakeholder engagement. Find out more at SchoolStatus.com. You are listening to Class Dismissed, episode 133, and I'm your host, Nick Ortigo. This week, data shows us how reading is really being taught, and teachers of Reddit share the most embarrassing reasons they've had to call kids' parents. Class Dismissed is the podcast that inspires educators through story. Each week we cover some of the hottest topics and news in the world of education. Plus, we hear from a guest with a bright idea for education that you can apply in your community. This week, an educator tells us how she energized her class by allowing them to read a young adult fiction book that even she herself had not read. Stay with us. Hello, everybody. Nick here, and I'm joined by the leading lady of 2020, Christina Pollard. I don't even know what that means.
1: I don't either, but I love it. You
0: like it? You'll take
1: it? I'm taking that. Good. Now, go. now, when I get ready to reflect on what that means, <laughs> what do I got to do to be the leading lady in 2020? I love it.
0: Well, can you believe that we're now 20 years removed from Y2K?
1: Oh, my gosh. I don't. Know, I have
0: no idea how old you are, but I'm assuming we're around the same age. I, you know,
1: am a beautiful 45.
0: Okay, all right. I'm I'm just about to hit 40, so yeah. All we, right. We both were all right. So when I was in high school, I was like, "Where am I gonna be at the turn of the millennium?" Like, and I was like, talk, I would like talk about that, and I thought I had these like visions of like being on the streets in New Orleans and it being glamorous. You know what ended up happening with me? I, I end up my my wife and I had a child. I was like young and I was at my parents house and we just like hung out like it was the most that's
1: that's about how it went but think if I from my memory I was a very young teacher and everyone and remember I was a science teacher Mm -hmm. everyone was panicking about the world was gonna yeah yeah you know the y2k yes and so you know I was with friends and we were waiting on the power to go out (laughs) (laughs) yes and we found all that hilarious because we didn't believe that
0: right and it, it and it really didn't. However, there was a lot of rewriting of code. I know that for a fact. True. You know to try to fix things, but there wasn't like this like catastrophic. Just, yes, and that's collapse. what so
1: many conspiracy theorists believed. And we, that was just our highlight of the night. And I mean, we we didn't go out anywhere. I was yeah. living in Dallas, Texas at the time. Because you were like
0: worried like street lights wouldn't work. Right. Or, right. Yeah. So we,
1: you know we were all together at a friend's house, and I mean we, I think the celebration turned up literally because at twelve oh one we still had lights. <laughs> That's,
0: yeah, it was, I hope there's some millennials that listen to us who like have no idea what we're talking they about. They
1: don't know what we're talking but, about.
0: But yeah, that was and the, the turn floppy disk. Yeah. But I mean, it was a big deal. Like, I mean, if you really think about it, it's neat to be alive at the turn of the millennium. Like no one else, if you were born after then you missed out for That's correct. For another thousand. So I'm telling you, it was, it was a neat time.
1: I'll never forget that.
0: And, but now here we are 20 years away. Like it just, it's gone.
1: And when you think back to that time about, oh my gosh, Y2K, did you ever even process what life would be like in twenty twenty? No,
0: like I, I mean, didn't either. Yeah, I mean it's no way. Even it,
1: when twenty ten got here, you're focusing on the now, not what twenty twenty be like. Are car's going to be flying. I mean, so and, and I don't <laughs> the wanna, Jetsons. I don't
0: want to go into this like whole like you know discussion about the future and stuff, but I really could talk about that for days because hey, in some ways future like, episode. In some ways, like you know, you do expect the car to fly, and we haven't made it there. But in other ways, like some of the things that we have,
1: pretty awesome.
0: Pre- we live in an amazing time. We like, do. We, I, there's, you don't know how many times my wife and I say that to each other. We'll like do something on our phone or you listen.
1: Know, I was, I, you know, driving and you text me. I didn't touch my phone. I communicated with you on my watch.
0: I wake up in my house every morning. And I'm like. Good morning, Alexa, and like all these things happen in my house. Like, I'm
1: telling you, we
0: live in an amazing time, an amazing world, and I don't know, not not too much to complain about, just because the car's not flying yet. Um, so, uh, anyhow, let's go ahead and uh, jump into the teachers' lounge. What's going on this week?
1: We're talking about amazing worlds, and you know what? Education is an amazing world. It is. And so many things come and go in what you call educational trends. Mm-hmm. But there's data out there right now that is saying no matter how many different theories and strategies we unpeel, we are still struggling with how to teach reading.
0: Yeah. it. And I mean, when I reflect on like when and how I learned to read, I, I feel like I didn't get what maybe my, my kids or you read the now. Dick and Jane books, or 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 my dad even. Like I feel like I was in like this generational period where we didn't break down sentences, and maybe we did. And I was a horrible student. I don't remember it, but like <laughs> sentence structure was like glazed over, and phonics we just really didn't jump into. Am we I wrong? Not. We did not. So, I mean, it's like, wh- where are we well, so now? So why did
1: we get away from yeah, that? Yeah, wh- why? Was well, that- you start looking at, um, you know, world views, and you think about the PISA data that is out there and where the United States fell right. in competing with other countries. And over the years, we began to drop. And so when that happened, oh, we have to have a major overhaul in education. Right. And so, so many things impact what we decide to do. But what this this data is showing is that there still needs to be some shifts. I mean, recently Mississippi has been praised um, for its excellent growth. Um, in literacy. Mm-hmm. We have the top fourth grade NAEP data right now, but what's interesting about it is the practices that had to be put in place. Um, so we really focus on the simple view of reading. A child has to be able to decode. a child has to be able to, you know understand the language in order to comprehend what they' are what they're reading. Mm-hmm. And there are so many different theories out there and this this article talks about so many of our teachers now have a confused view as to how to truly teach reading. Do you just focus on um, teaching comprehension in isolation and maybe sprinkling a little this and a little of that? Or do you do it balanced and make sure that you're covering all of the five domains of reading? Um, And so this article is very interesting about they polled teachers and the data is kind of. Uh, Mind-blowing that many teachers still don't know the best way to teach reading.
0: Is there agreement on what is the best way to teach reading, though? By
1: the I think it depends on the academics. I, well, yeah, I'm sure there is, but I also think that there it depends on the learners that you're serving. Struggling students need something different than those who arrive with proficient skills, mm-hmm. and that starts as early as kindergarten. Or there are not many, before even that's yeah. right. Many kindergartners start school um on t- vastly different you know skill levels some who have not been exposed to anything they haven't been to head start they haven't been to daycare they don't have anyone at home that exposed them to you know anything academic and so their their slate is blank whereas you have some children at 5 years of age start kindergarten and they're, they're already reading, reading.
0: right and writing as well and so
1: what you do for them is very different and so you know f- from my experiences and from the research that I've read Phonics plays a huge role in helping struggling learners.
0: And so is it a branding issue? Like you say, like these teachers are confused. You know, and we have these, these phrases that, you know, kind of become buzzes. Like we talked about social emotional learning is like a focus right now. And that's something that a lot of people are talking about. Do we just need to brand the idea of phonics again? So if that's the chosen
1: well, you know, winner? I'll tell you, I've got a couple of ideas about that. First, I think it also depends on um, the professor that you're taught the mm. reading courses from, um, depending on the university, sometimes depends on the view that they, they have right. on the best ways to teach reading. Um, the other part of that is um, you have to track schools that are successful. The number one and the number two schools in the state um, for their kindergarten readiness data have very strong phonics programs. hmm and that's one of the things that I learned just a few years ago. In fact, there was a school in our school district that was number two in the state just last year. And for two years in a row, they made sure that they had very strong phonics instruction. Students needed to be able to identify letters. They need to be able to understand what sounds the letters make and how to put them together to form words and identify the words. And so when I found that out, then I went back with my teachers and said, OK, y'all what do you think about this? This Here's what these different schools are doing. And overwhelmingly, my entire primary staff, you know, I'm K-8, mm-hmm. my entire primary staff said, yes, yes, that is what we need. So we immediately reviewed a few different products, um, found out what those top performing uh, schools were doing. And we adopted that practice. And I want to say that it is making a huge impact. Of course, it takes time.
0: Right okay
1: no to fill gaps but we see the difference in our lower levels which we expect to make a great impact as they move into third grade
0: and 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 I'm I'm naive to this and I I kind of know a little bit about this but the, those that live outside Mississippi that are listening to us Explain to me again, like, what happens in third grade if you can't read? Like, how strict is this?
1: It's it's very strict. Um, and there's two ways to look at it. You can say that it's, un, it's not fair. But at the same time, we have to have something in place um, to make sure that our children are, are being able to be competitive in the future. So we have the Literacy-Based Promotion Act that says children um, in kindergarten through third grade need to be on grade level in reading by the time they finish third grade. And in the event that they do not show a performance level, which is a three mm-hmm. four is proficient five is advanced if they do not perform on a performance level of three then they are not ready or prepared to be promoted to the fourth grade the literacy based promotion Act says they will not be promoted now they are given three opportunities to pass that test the test it has two parts there's the comprehensive part um where they answer questions and then there's a written portion mm-hmm. okay and so we've seen the number of children who have not um, done well decrease in the state of Mississippi. But at the same time, in the past, these last, say, f- we had this discussion before, as a yeah. matter of fact, the past, let's say, five years, the students only had to score performance level two, which is really basic. This last year, the performance level of three was raised So the stakes were higher and it was so much harder um, to have high percentages of students to be what you consider passing that assessment.
0: So, okay, Yeah. And I don't want you to give away anything that you're not supposed to give away in your own personal school. But I mean, what's it like for an administrator? Like you're seeing probably kids not pass this test in the third grade, at least the first time like what do you do
1: it's devastating but you immediately the moment you get first of all you're tracking their data all year long right you know before the assessment happens Who's who shows straddle. the potential to be proficient who shows the potential to reach the state's requirement of PL3 and who is we've tried everything we can do um, but sometimes children surprise you and they test better than they actually perform in a classroom sometimes children perform better in a classroom and they don't do well in a testing environment right um, but I don't think that it's necessarily something negative it gives you something to strive for, and it's doing a d- good job of taking care of children in regard to reading.
0: And so, again, speaking to people outside of the state who, who aren't going through this here, um, so you have a child that doesn't pass. I mean, what type of resources do you put towards that child to make sure they pass it when they get that second and third opportunity?
1: Well, when they take the first assessment, um, the very first testing window when it opens, when you receive the scores back a few days later, immediately immediately you begin providing interventions for that child. But even before then, you have an idea of who's going to struggle on this assessment from tracking them and progress monitoring them all year long. So even after we give them the assessment during the morning and the afternoons, we are still providing that intervention support until we receive the data once we receive the data that you know you were successful, okay, great. Now we're going to remediate you, say, in math or science depending on the grade you're in. But if third graders come back and that data says that they did not score a performance level 3 or higher, then we intensify the interventions and we have a small window where we can re-give that assessment for the second time. In the event that they don't pass that assessment for the second time, we are required to provide them at least four weeks of interventions, which we do through our summer program, gotcha. and then give them a, a Last opportunity to take that assessment again in the summer. Not, they're held back. They are,
0: and so and it's
1: devastating. You,
0: I I can't imagine. But you have lived in a world before and after this gate existed. Do you like that it's there now?
1: Um, I have to say that I do because it raised the bar. It's holding teachers accountable it's holding principals accountable but you're giving children something to strive for and not only that the state of Mississippi has received so much flack about being last in everything right it I was a proud principal when that article came out that we have really drastically improved our literacy efforts in our state yeah it's
0: not just one article I mean this is these are national publications yes. who are applauding. What you all have, but it has taken and, consistent
1: yeah. work, and I applaud our State Department for providing the training, the regional meetings, the ongoing support, and really helping us understand what our children need.
0: All right, I've got one to lighten up things around here a little bit. Um, so. On Reddit, you ever get on Reddit? I don't. Okay, Reddit's pretty. It's a pretty fun place to explore. Like you can Mm. go down to a a rabbit hole real quick. And I follow the educators on Reddit, but actually, this is something that that hit BuzzFeed after we hit Reddit. But anyhow, teachers of Reddit shared the most embarrassing reasons they've had to call kids' parents, and some of them like they're not even they're they're not NSFW or whatever you know, not suitable for work. So I'm not I'm not even going to go into all of them here, but. Some of them. I'm, I'm telling share them you, every educator
1: can. in America should write a book. <laughs>
0: I know. And do you have any you want to share? You're, I you're don't want
1: to share good. them. All
0: right. All right. You're good. You're good. All right. Um, so I'll tell you a few of them that kind of jumped out at me. Um, one teacher said, and it's mostly anonymous. So I once had to call a first graders parent to inform them that their son had taken their mom's engagement ring to propose to me at school, which was cute. That's kind of funny. But that's, you know, that, that would be embarrassing. Like, where's your engagement ring? Uh, the next one. My class was working on a craft project involving sandwich bags, and one of my kids loudly announced that they have those at home, too, and his mom puts her weed in there. <laughs> Am I sorry? Yeah, I know. It's bad. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I guess you would have to, like, inform the parent, right? Like, yes. Like, you know, that's probably something that you need to tell the parent. My parents told me that when I was in the first grade, my teacher called them after she asked for examples of liquids, and I raised my hand and said, Cognac. And so again, listen. Yeah.
1: They watch and listen to everything we do. And I remember the first time that my youngest son figured out we talked in code. Oh, yeah. And he figured out our coding. Well,
0: like, what do I you mean? What was y's code? We, um, we're just, still spelling in front of our four-year-old.
1: Uh, well, we, when we graduated from spelling, it was we had different names for people. Oh, yeah. We had, <laughs> you know, different names for locations. Um, if you were going to the store to buy something other than milk, um, you know, we had yeah. different names for that.
0: This last one, I, I really should have gotten Lisa on the phone for this one, you know, who used to do the podcast with yeah, us because she was – She's an art teacher, and um, this person said, I'm a middle school art teacher, and every marking period I have to call parents about at least one clay or paper mache private part. Oh. And Yeah, it says, it's like the kids think I don't know what they're making, which – that's believable that that happens. And I've never asked Lissa, like, has that ever happened in her class? And That's I mean, she, hilarious. She teaches a lot of students. I and, bet she would be and speechless. I'm sure, I'm sure there's that boy in, like, you know, fifth, sixth grade or whatever that's getting a little carried away with the paper mache sometimes. So uh, anyhow, just want to have a little fun with that. Those are always fun lists. And like I said, I'm only sharing a few of them because uh, they get a lot worse. <laughs> they get a lot worse than that. Are you
1: ready for the bright idea? I'm ready. Bring it on. All right.
0: Our guest in today's Bright Ideas segment is a two-time class dismissed visitor, Dina Legerman, joined us back on episode 44, where she talked about how she simulated a dictatorship in her classroom when teaching George Orwell's 1984. I invited Dina back because I just read a new Medium post she made about how she shifted away from the traditional curriculum and taught a book she had never read. Dina, welcome back to the show.
2: Thank you so much for having me again.
0: Uh, I really wanted to have you on because, one, I just love this post, and two, it's it had a a good theme about it where we've been kind of talking about here of late on the show. And that's the idea of trying to get students interested in reading, not just kind of giving them the same old traditional book. Is that where this all started for you?
2: Pretty much, yes. It's, It's always a struggle getting students to read, as you probably know, speaking with so many teachers. And I just, I try everything. So this was something new that I tried. And it worked Worked this time around
0: in the post you you, you admitted to being on the other side of this you admitted that when you were a student there was a time where where you used cliff notes to kind of get through a a book right
2: I did yes I I did have that confession (laughs)
0: right and so I mean did you feel guilty or, or did it offer a perspective for you like what is that like when when then now you see your students possibly doing the same
2: thing well I think it gives me I think I understand them you know, and I and I think it shows that I wasn't always this like reader who needed to read everything was assigned to me and that I actually understand how they feel about what we as teachers assign.
0: Before you you grabbed this non-traditional book, what do you think your classroom was like in terms of reading what I would call the traditional books? Like you would give them, I don't know, what, what do you give it at your age level? You're in high school, right?
2: I'm in high school. I, I teach juniors and seniors.
0: So what's like the typical book that you would give juniors and seniors?
2: Oh, juniors read The Great Gatsby, they read The Crucible of um, *Of Mice and Men, uh, the seniors read, oh, and Shakespeare, so the juniors read Macbeth, the seniors read Hamlet, um, they read, well, 1984, um, they read, uh, what else do my seniors read? Oh, Death of a Salesman. So your basic, you know, standard curriculum that's been taught for hundreds of years, so, <laughs> you know, <right>. decades. <laughs> so being
0: honest, what do you have, about 45 students?
2: I have forty five total seniors. Okay, um, and I have about the same amount of juniors.
0: All right. Well, let's just take um, Great Gatsby. So, I guess that's your juniors. How many do you actually? Yeah. How many do you actually think would read the book
2: on their own? (laughs) Yeah,
0: on their own, no spark notes. Like they're just like you know they're like loving it and they're participating in class discussions. I mean, out of the forty five, I mean, do you think it's fifteen or or are we at
2: like? Oh no, 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 no. I I would say two. Really, like on their own, you know, on their own without you know being. You're talking about if I don't grade them for it either.
0: No, no I'm saying you grade them, but I just like you know. Do you really truly believe they aren't trying to pull the wool over your eyes? And you know, they might no. be. You know, watching the movies no, and, and using Spark Notes and stuff like that.
2: No, only two. I, I'm I I probably I would say two. Okay. I, I don't think many of them will just go on like I can do this on my own. And you know, while there's so many resources available to them. Um, no, I don't think many would
0: so if if i'm understanding you right like you were like i've I've got to switch this up i'm gonna go get a what I guess we call a non-traditional book and Just put it out there for my class a book that you hadn't even read yet is that that was your plan, right?
2: That was my plan because I wanted to find something that would possibly interest them and that they can't find on the internet Like information about it on the internet. That was my goal. That's good. (laughs) So,
0: So what book did you go with?
2: I went with Scythe by Neil Schusterman.
0: Okay, and and I guess my first question is, how did you get that okayed with your principal?
2: Well, my principal's great. She um, she does the the great thing about my school is that you know the principal, the administration overall has trust in their teachers, and I think I've proven myself to them to where they know that I'm not just you know trying to. Uh, you know, uh, have anarchy in my classroom where I'm trying to do different activities with the students. And my principal is all about choice and professional development. So when I brought this up to her saying, listen, we need to give our students more choice because we we work with a population of students who are not readers. They don't come from homes that model reading or um, very few of them, very few, <laughs> a handful, may be reading on their own, just outside of school. So I said, you know, we need to give them choices. And I heard about this book from a friend. I haven't read it yet, but it's in the dystopian section, which I, you know, I do 1984 mm-hmm, and cool. that text, you know, is very in, you know, I have to, I have to work with students in depth with it, but I wanted something that they could kind of, grasp on their own and scythe from what I read about it. And from what I understood was, you know, a much more simple read like hunger game time style where it's young adult literature, and they can possibly do it on their own, because I hadn't read it. So I couldn't really walk them through it.
0: And so I guess you had to get the funding or somebody had to buy the books, right? For a classroom set.
2: Yes. Yes. I had to fill out the the form and, you know, I, I honestly didn't know I was going to get it. It had to go through the approval process. And when I was told that it was approved, I was, I didn't, honestly, I didn't question it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I was just like, thank you so much. We're, we're doing this. Right. So I got a class set and that was all we needed.
0: So you have this class set aside. You, you turn to your class and you're like, all right, kids, we're going to read this book that I'm excited about that I haven't read, like, what was their reaction?
2: Well, you know, they basically were like, wait, you didn't you didn't read this? How are you going to teach us? <laughs> and I'm like, we're going to learn together. That's going to be the beauty of that.
0: All right. So tell me about about the process. So, so you guys start diving into this. Did it play out like you expected it to play out?
2: Well, I, I was hoping that the students would get into it. I actually set them up in literature circles. I didn't really have a unit or anything for this. I've done literature circles with my with other novels um, last year and you know years prior. But I figured, okay, I don't have a unit. I don't really know what the book is about. So not like I can give them questions or even journal entries or any discussion. Um, so I basically said, okay, we're going to do it in literature circles. You're going to have different roles you're gonna read it together, you're gonna to construct meaning together i'm gonna to sit in with different with a different group every day, and we're gonna discuss it together as we read as we go along and that was you know that was working out really well and the and and I was you know pleasantly surprised when the students just got into it like like two chapters in they were really into it um and i and i mean i I could tell why the book is very interesting, but you know even so
0: <laughs> so uh, how many students do you think were? actually engage with the book as opposed to great Gatsby where we had maybe two where were you now
2: oh well out of my 45 six seniors that I have um 40 were reading wow probably maybe only six and you know the usual suspects weren't <laughs> but everyone else pretty much was
0: I mean that that's a huge success like you you had to be thrilled right
2: Oh, I, I was, I was so, I was so excited. It, it was amazing.
0: You were reading the book along with them. Did you like that? Or did you, would you have rather have been more informed?
2: No, I have really enjoyed that because we kind of constructed meaning together. And, you know, I actually fell back a little. So they read ahead and they would be like, Ms. Zygerman, did you, did you get to that part yet? Oh my God, oh my God, we can't wait until you get there. So like, they were so excited and they were so excited for me to get to the part where they were at. That to me was just like I won, like it was the best feeling. (laughs) And I would, and then I'd have, I'd have to yell at them to not tell me what happens next because they really wanted me to know. That's really that was an amazing feeling, and like I couldn't. At sometimes I couldn't even have discussions with them because so many had already read ahead that they were like, well, I know what happens because I like I'll be like, let's foreshadow, then they'll be like, well, I know what happens. We don't need to foreshadow. I already know because I already finished the book. Like so many of them actually finished reading the book when we were when most of the class was already we're only like halfway through
0: have you had other teachers try this experiment for lack of a better term
2: um in my in my school i don't i don't know no i don't know anyone who has done this yet
0: i mean would you recommend it or are there any points uh, pointers or tips that that you would tell teachers like if they're going to do this this is what you would do differently or would you just do it the exact same way
2: i would do it exactly the same way um i don't know if there. If there are any other ways to do it, unless you, you know, you're the type of person who just has to have something like a concrete lesson every day, you know, what you're going to do. With me, I decided to just like, let this like ride the wave, you know, and, and for me with my personality and with the way my class works, it worked. Um, whereas I don't know, maybe someone who needs like a specific lesson plan, maybe they want to read a few chapters ahead of the kids. So at least they're more prepared for the questions that may come. Um, because I, I, you know, while the kids didn't really have too many questions, if they did, I probably wouldn't have known the answers. I'd be like, all right, well, let me read that part. And then I'll get I'll get back to you.
0: You know, me being a realist, I guess, I I would believe that and some people might be aghast by this, but that there's probably some seniors and juniors out there who have never really read a novel from front to back. And um, you might have been you know, the first novel that you might have inspired that first novel that they read. I mean, did you did you get any feedback from any students like that, that, that you inspired them to read other books in the future?
2: Well, the, what so I believe <laughs> you're a realist, and I also am a realist. And a lot of my students have never read a novel front to back um, for school or outside of school, even in school, you know, they can spark notes or Schmoop or whatever other resources are available. That's what they do. And I can't even blame them, because that's, you know why make it hard for yourself when everything could be so much easier, right? So, so many of them came up to me and said, you know, we this is this was the best book I've ever read, or this is the only book I've ever read. And not only that, but towards the end, they were asking me if we could have um, the sequel because it's a trilogy. And they're like, can we get the sequel? And I said, well, you know, it's not up to me. I can't order it for you, but. <laughs> Go go talk to the principal and see if she would be willing to to place an order. So they went. they went, multiple students went to the principal and said, you know, they they requested the book, and she actually ended up ordering twenty five copies. That's awesome. and they and they asked me, they said, well, can we read it? And I'm like, I'm sorry, you guys, like we we do have to get moving into other things that we're doing, but you're more than welcome to read it outside of, of class. And if you want, like we can figure out what, you, what I can do, maybe extra credit or something else, or if you could just read it for yourselves. So out of the 25 copies she ordered, 20 copies, the kids borrowed 20 copies. So 20 kids borrowed wow. the second book to do it on their own time, like without any grades, nothing. Like they just wanted to know what happens next. I
0: mean, that has to really be rewarding.
2: It was. It, it really is great. It really is great. And when I asked them like how many of you actually like just be honest. We have a very good relationship. I said, be honest, like how many of you enjoyed this this book at the end? And like I said, like forty out of the forty six raised their hand and they said they really liked it. So
0: so what's the plan next year? Do you try to find another book that you haven't read or do you do this one again knowing that you've had good feedback from, from the kids?
2: I'm definitely gonna do this one again. It's gonna I'm I'm going to keep it as part of my curriculum because out of every book that I've taught um this one has had the most success and the students just really loved it and um i think the closest thing that would come to it is possibly the great gatsby like the kids somewhat like it as well um but never have i ever had four or 40 kids out of 46 actually enjoying a novel we read in class so i i am definitely going to keep it um in terms of new, you know, texts, I, I will try to do maybe like literature circles with different books. So I could have maybe like five of each. Um, I'm doing a lot of research on young adult literature and you know, what's available out there. And hopefully I can get something new, even if it's not at like a full class set every year. So I could just add it into my, um, you know, classroom library.
0: What would you say to the literature purist who says, you know, but you got to teach them the classics. You know, you shouldn't be doing young adult literature. It's not as complex and and it's not as deep as some of these other books.
2: Yeah. You know, I, um, (laughs) I, I would probably say that it's already, it's hard enough getting teenagers or kids to read. And when we're giving them classics and I think you can do both, it doesn't mean that, you know, we read Scythe, but we can't read 1984. We're going to read both of them. I think there's room for young adult literature in the classroom to get your students excited about reading you know I always say when my friends have um, kids who struggle with reading I say let them read anything anything that they might be interested in it doesn't have to be these like classics because once you get interested in reading you can possibly get interested in reading the classics on your own eventually but you just have to get that desire to read to want to know what happens in the story in this world that you're not a part of
0: uh, Dina Legerman, it's an awesome experience, and I really appreciate you taking the time to share it with Thank us. Thank you. Um, if somebody wants to keep up with you, I know you seem to have this really big following on Medium. Is that one place to find you?
2: Yeah, I'm on Medium. I'm on a Facebook and Twitter. I'm I'm everywhere.
0: <laughs> what What's your uh, Twitter handle, if you don't mind sharing?
2: Ah, uh, sure. It's a d i n a c h k a eighty two. Um, that's my Twitter handle. So, and you could. And Medium has that click. You can just click on medium and it'll take you there.
0: Great. Thanks again. We really appreciate your time.
2: Thank you so much.
0: That's going to do it for this episode of Class Dismissed. If you want to send us an idea or comment, remember you can always email us at info at classdismissedpodcast.com or tweet us at dismiss.